In a stadium rich with tradition, the lights shine the brightest. This is the camp. Now, here's your host, Zach Heilprin, on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Yes, welcome in to the camp. Badgers, we're back on the field on Saturday for what, practice over seven already? So we're about midway through spring ball. They practice 15 times total here this spring. But they were on the field for practice number seven, and they were outside. Jesse, I know you were excited about that. It was a little cold to begin with, but as soon as the sun broke through, it was amazing. Felt like spring. It was good to be back out there. And we got to watch as much scrimmage action as we've seen all spring. So that was even better. We did, and we saw plenty uh, on the field. Uh, before we get started, though, Jesse, uh, coming up later, uh, Wisconsin got its latest commitment, uh, commit number five in the class of 2024, Thomas Heiberger, the linebacker out of South Dakota. Uh, I had a chance to talk to him, so did you. Uh, we'll be playing my interview a little bit later, but we'll also get your take on the commitment as well. But let's start with what we saw on Saturday on the field. It was, I think, me personally, another very, very good day for Tanner Mordecai, and we could throw Braden Locke in there as well, but Tanner Mordecai, that's five straight practices where he's given them consistency and really good play, and I think I think we were kind of talking about it. I don't think we've seen that type of consistency over a stretch of practices like we've seen from Mordecai uh, at UW very often, during the, certainly during the time I've covered the team. You got to cover Russell, so you probably did see that quite a bit, but um, I don't know if I've ever seen five practices where it's been consistency, not too high, not too low, making good plays, not making horrible plays. It's just really, really impressive for what Tedder Mordecai has given them these, uh, I mean, this last two weeks. We'll see what it looks like when we get into games in September and then into Big yep. Ten play in October and yep. November. But all we can go on right now are the open practices we're watching, and he's matching up against the number one defense. Uh, not exactly like a game, but he's been excellent. So far, you mentioned it, especially the last five practices, very consistent. He finds receivers in tight windows. He seems to take advantage of mismatches. He can throw his teammates open. There were a number of big plays that he put together, but he's also not making critical mistakes or misfiring for the most part on throws to receivers who are just open. Um, and I think that's obviously something that Badgers fans will embrace. You know, you you pointed out there was a throw at practice on Saturday. He completed a pass to Chimray DK on the right sideline for a first down, and he threw it before Chimray was even out of his break, and it was just a perfect throw. And that may not wow you like the 54-yard touchdown pass that he threw to Chimray also in that practice, but it's those kind of throws that keep the chains moving and those smart decisions that are going to make this offense have an opportunity to do something special this season. Yeah, there were a number of throws like that. And even when you're like, gosh, I can't believe he's going to try and make that throw. The one to Chimray on the sideline, I, not the one that you mentioned right there, but another one where, um, or maybe it was C.J. Williams. Yeah, it was C.J. Williams uh, on the sideline. And Jason uh, Matry had perfect coverage. Like, it didn't look like there was any room to fit the ball in or over the top of uh, Matry. And he threw it anyways, and I'm like, that's going to be intercepted. And it wasn't. Uh, Major got it. Major did get a finger or two on it, but it ended up in C.J. Williams' hands anyways. Like, that's a throw. There's not too many um, quarterbacks at Wisconsin that have been able to make that throw or willing to make that throw It was uh, without getting intercepted. Um, and it was just a, a great throw and a great pass, and it was or a great catch uh, off the tip. But, yeah, I look at what he's been able to do to this point and say, I have no idea how good it's going to end up being, but what we've seen from him is at a different level than what we've become used to seeing in a Wisconsin practice. I mean, the ball is rarely on the ground when he is at quarterback, and he puts the ball where it needs to be, and uh, he usually makes the right decision. So it's just abnormal, I guess, for us. I mean, it, I, I feel like a lot of places this is this is like, yeah, duh. He's the number one quarterback. He should be doing this, but that <laughs> that's not necessarily all the – always the case or has always been the case of Wisconsin. I think we saw, and it's hard to remember all the practices over all the years, but I felt like Jack Cohn in 2019 was starting to establish himself as a guy like this. And that was an interesting print spring because Graham Mertz had just come in as a true freshman early enrollee. But um, Jack 
it was never a competition because Jack was so good and that obviously carried over into fall. Um, but yeah, for the most part, and we've had an opportunity to see every practice. So we've also got a, a bigger sample size here. This is everything I think you could have hoped for out of Mordecai when they got him. You look at the last two years, what he did at SMU, he did over 7,152 yards and 72 touchdowns. That's not a fluke. But I think there was also some, perhaps some question about, okay, well, that was at SMU in a, a good conference, but how's this going to translate to Wisconsin in the Big Ten in a new offense with a new offensive coordinator? And so far he's been, I think, everything fans could have hoped for. He definitely has. Uh, the guy behind him hasn't been horrible either. Uh, Braden no, Locke has been really good. I think he only, he, I think he only made one truly poor decision yesterday, and that was late throwing over the middle and Jake essentially threw it right to Jake Cheney. But yeah. for the most part, we haven't seen those type of throws from him, which is impressive considering he has yet to play a single game in college. Uh, I guess I should also mention during this, uh, during all this, because I think sometimes Graham had success as well when he wasn't able to get hit uh, in his career. We the quarterback's not getting hit here. There's no thought even chance of him getting hit. So I think your mindset may be a little bit different than it normally is. I think that's also important to remember when we talk about quarterbacks, but what Braden Locke has done certainly up there as well. Um, it's a one, two, it's one, two punch at the top. Um, I know you, you texted me asking like the last time, you know, is there a quarterback duo that could match this? And it's again, they haven't played a game, but it has a chance because Wisconsin has not normally had a quarterback very good. And then a guy right below him that, you know, you might feel good about being able to put in the game. Uh, I don't, I mean, trying to think back to to when that might have been. Um, and I can't really. I, I would have, I mean, if you have to go all the way back to Brooks Bollinger and Jim Sorge, and I don't want to, you know, instigate another debate over that. The, Sol- <laughs> the, the Sorge-Bollinger wars were something to behold in the early internet era. I'm sure that there's somebody I'm forgetting, but like, I would feel good at this point about putting Braden Locke in a game and running this offense. Yeah, what I ended up writing is that it's not a stretch to suggest that Mordecai and Locke represent the best one-two quarterback combination that Wisconsin has had in years. I didn't want to put an exact date on it because I'm not sure. But look, I, I started covering this team in 2011. That was Russell Wilson's year. And Russell, very clearly, the, the greatest quarterback Wisconsin's had in a single season ever. But there was essentially no backup. I mean, Joey Brennan, I think never yes. played it was was ended up being the backup because John Budmeyer got hurt so I I was specifically thinking about a one-two quarterback combination and not just who the guy is and since that time I think it's been a little bit of a mixed bag Joel Stave obviously all-time program wins leader um but I don't know if the backup was he was where backup, we're at right? now well he he was the backup in 2012 when Daniel Bryan took over and then a few games into the game, Joel ended up starting uh, as a redshirt freshman, but you know, there was a Alex Hornerbrook, Bart Houston combination. Obviously there was Jack Cohn, Graham Mertz um, and Graham and Chase Wolf the last several years. And I know there's a few other combinations in there, but on the whole, based on what we've seen, it's uh, this is, this is up there. You, you've got Tanner Mordecai and his and his accolades, obviously. But I think Braden is the one that has surprised me the most because when we and I'm sure we'll get into this, but when we got into spring, I thought, okay, so Tanner's the guy, and you've got Braden Locke and Nick Evers, and, and they they went and got him out of the portal for a reason. All three of those guys, former four star high school players, and and Nick and Braden are going to duel it out for the backup quarterback job. Neither one has really played. Braden didn't take a snap at Mississippi State last season. Nick threw one pass, and it'll be give and take, but it won't be anywhere close. And it's been Braden as the number two, and nobody else is even in the same ballpark, and he's just been really good. Um, he's He gives the receivers a chance. He makes those guys look good. Skylar Bell, I think, has had a couple of really good days, and I know we'll get into the receivers as well. But all those passes are coming from Braden. And even with when they throw in some of the threes in there, I mean, he threw a great touchdown pass over the middle to – Tommy McIntosh, but I think him being in Mike Leach's system last year obviously has a, a huge advantage for him, even though it's not exactly the same at Wisconsin. Phil Longo is a disciple of Mike Leach. That is the reason why Longo ended up pursuing this path of running an air raid passing attack. And so I think that has helped him tremendously, um, but it's been very impressive so far with those two. Maybe I'll throw in John Stocko and Tyler Donovan. They were still predates Stocko- me, so I feel good about it. 
Yes, Tyler Donovan. Uh, John Stocko was the quarterback in 04, 05, 06, and Donovan was the backup for some of that time, especially 2006. He actually went into Iowa and won at Iowa in 06 when uh, Stocko got hurt. So I, I'd say – and then he started the, the following year. Uh, I'd say that. But, again, these guys haven't played a game. Uh, well, I shouldn't say that. Mordecai's played plenty of games. Brainlock hasn't played a game. I think what we're trying to do here is just – suggest some of the stuff that we've seen um it feels really good and the offense certainly plays a role in it too right the the oh, style yeah. of the, the style of the offense is pretty quarterback friendly and um but they have to make the throws and both of them have um to this point but yeah you remember you mentioned the wide receivers and it felt like every one of them made a play i will before we get into the whole thing will pauling who has had the best i think the best spring of any of the wide receivers Went down late in practice uh, with uh, a lower body injury. I initially thought it was a catastrophic injury, to be honest with you. I thought because uh, <laughs> he went down and he did not get up and he was in a lot of pain, it seemed like. We were on we were in the stands opposite of where the injury actually happened. And I'm like, oh, God, did they just lose him for the, the rest of the year? Uh, is he done? Um, but he eventually was able to get up and uh, walk it off. And then he was taking part in some post-game or post-practice uh, catching sessions and that type of thing. So I think he's fine. Who knows if we'll be out there on Tuesday. But it doesn't appear that they have lost him for an extended period of time, which I think probably gives them a huge sigh of relief because of how good he's been so far this spring. But um, nearly every receiver made a play yesterday, it felt like, right? Uh, Chimre DK had the 54-yard touchdown that you mentioned. Keontes Lewis, who appears to be a Tanner Mordecai favorite at one point, I think he caught all four passes, right? to start team drills either he, he, or I, he, I shouldn't say he, he he was the intended target on I think like four straight passes to start team drills and also made a, a ridiculous jumping catch right in front of Hunter Wooler and then you have Skyler Bell that you mentioned and um just to go on down the line it felt like every guy made a play yeah I it's funny because when this offseason happened and Wisconsin started getting all these transfer portal guys, the most exciting positions were obviously quarterback. They needed to have quarterbacks. They got the three guys that we were talking about before. But then they went and upgraded and built depth at wide receiver by adding these four transfers. And I don't know if the top three guys from last season got lost in the shuffle, but I want to say that perhaps they got lost in the shuffle a little bit because of the excitement created by oh, CJ Williams is coming in from USC. He was a top 10 wide receiver in the 2021 recruiting class. Bryson Green was the, the second leading receiver at Oklahoma State. There's a couple guys from Cincinnati who know this new system. And I thought it was really noteworthy when we talked to Luke Fickle after practice on Thursday. He was asked about the guys who were still here. Um, and he said, I, I liked his honesty in this answer. He said, I'd say the misconception of myself walking in the door is, hey, we've got to get more skill. There's a lot more skill maybe than anybody knew. And he also went on to say that I think sometimes you don't realize that until we play them in a little bit more space and see them in more situations. So those those three guys who had a lot of success last season have I think really thrived in this new offense and it's because they're getting more opportunities to catch the ball. There's obviously more passes and they're using them in a bunch of different ways. Um, and we, we, I think Saturday was a great example of that. You mentioned Lewis. He was targeted on the first four throws from Tanner Mordecai. He caught three of them. He had that great catch down the left sideline and Chimray's just to me, he's showing why he's the, number one wide receiver in this group for a second consecutive season because he's just so smart out there he's he's got precise route running that was obviously a free play because the defense jumped offside which we saw a couple times they got um, a bunch yeah but those two guys have been really good and i i'm also impressed with skylar bell because i don't think this has to be i don't think this is an easy situation where will pauling who flashed early on in the spring has taken over as the top slot receiver the last three practices, three and a half practices. And Skyler's been with the second team offense. And rather than sulk, at least based on our viewing, he has put together some really good moments. And Braden Locke contributes to that, but he caught a 25-yard pass down the field inside the 20, um, caught a couple other really strong throws from Locke. And I also thought it was interesting that we saw Pauling and Bell together as slot receivers yep. in a, in a four receiver look, which that's the first time we've seen that there's just, it's so fascinating to watch this offense because of the variety of combinations they have at their disposal disposal, how they can line them up. 
Uh, and it just it gives everybody more pass catching opportunities. But for for all the talk about the guys coming in, those three have been impressive. And Keontes and Chimere in particular have been really impressive because they've managed to hold everybody off at their respective positions. Those two have been on the outside with the first team group all spring. Yeah, it'll be interesting uh, what happens when Bryson Green does get healthy. Yeah, because uh, he. I believe would be working behind Keontes Lewis. I believe he's going to be in that spot. So we'll see if he's able to push, but I, that they've stood out this, this much and they're throwing the ball a ton, but they're having a lot of success, which hasn't always been the case in spring or in fall. It'll be interesting to see how he works himself back in when he eventually is healthy enough to take part. So yeah, the quarterback and wide receiver group have obviously been the focus for us in the spring because of how big the changes are and, um, certainly they haven't disappointed. Um, I think you, as you said about Tanner Mordecai, not really sure you could ask for a ton more from what, uh, they've gotten, I guess, if you want to go and want to get after, uh, some of the play for the back backup, backup quarterbacks, maybe you want to do that. But, um, cause Marshall Howe right now is number three, right? Yeah. I, w- I wasn't sure how to phrase it in my story about like, I initially had it. The season started today. Marshall Howe's your third string quarterback, but, um, I didn't want to come out that strong because this season doesn't start today and in five months Nick Evers may pick everything up a lot more and he's so clearly uh, the most talented in terms of athleticism and arm arm strength among those guys who are fighting for that number three role but we we saw a situation even where first of all they rotate those threes but we're always paying attention to who's the first quarterback in when they go with the threes and it's generally been Marshall Howe and there was a situation where Nick had a it was the handoff exchange exchange issue and he's not working with the starters, so I'm sure that doesn't help. And exact Loudman was the running back. There was this RPO look, he put the ball on the ground, and immediately he was replaced by Marshall Howe. And I think that's notable. And Miles Burkett's are in third team reps too, but uh at this point it just feels like they they like what Marshall Howe's gonna give them in terms of his knowledge of the playbook and ability to go out and execute what Longo wants. What was that almost crazy throw he made? Oh, my God. I, I I wish it would have been completed because it was so ridiculous. There was a bad snap. It, it was a low snap. The play should have just had no chance. He picked it up, and he uh, – I mean, he's got some athleticism back there. He, he heaved the ball down the field, and the wide receiver had some room, but I, I think it was a couple yards out in front of him down the, the left hash or something like that. And I commented to you, I remember watching his high school highlight film or his, his prep school in Connecticut. He had a lot of throws just like that. Um, that Farvesque, like no business getting a throw off, but he escapes pressure. And that was kind of how he made his plays in prep school. Um, so that that would have been the throw of the day had it connected, but obviously it didn't. Yeah, for sure. Um, the tight ends, uh, some good news, I think. Uh, it's spring, so I don't know how whatever, but uh, Clay Kunda for the first time since breaking his leg against Ohio state was doing individual drills. And I think that is a nice step in the right direction uh, because he has uh, been pretty much a spectator to this point, which was expected. Uh, I think Luke Fickle said, or maybe it was Nate Letton said that maybe he'll get uh, a little bit of on air time by the end of spring, but, uh, and it feels like that is kind of the direction it's going. So that was good. Hayden Rucci also back, but was in a non-contact jersey and didn't take part in any uh, team drills, but Jack Pugh continues to stand out. Jack Pugh, a guy who I think we talked about on Thursday, uh, he had another, a couple of really nice plays. Uh, JT Seagreaves. Also flashing a, a ridiculous catch with a guy all over him and a, just an absolute laser. Was that, I think it was Evers that threw it yeah. to him. Um, and when I say laser, I guess that makes sense because every ball off of Nick Evers' hands is coming a thousand miles an hour. Um, and so he made a great, great catch on that one. I don't, again, they have bodies at that position. I think it's still a little bit unsettled. Jack Pugh, I think, has established himself as a guy that's going to play a lot. Eschenbach has uh, is a guy who established himself, and then we'll see what happens with with Clay when he comes back. Yeah, I think Clay stands to benefit as much as anybody from this offense because we've seen his pass catching ability. The question is, can he stay healthy? And it's no fault of his own. The last two years, very fluke injuries, but put him out for the season both years. I think Eschenbach has consistently been a good target for Tanner Mordecai and. Jack Pugh, to me, is is t- taking the most advantage of this because he's begun to get time with the first-team offense. Um, and there was a stretch. He caught back-to-back passes from Tanner 
there was one great thrower. There was pressure, and Tanner kind of dropped his arm angle down and uh, completed the pass to Jack and then went right back to Pew for a lengthy gain. I mean, we know, like, Pew and Seagreaves, to me, are the perfect kind of guys for this offense at tight end because they're both high school basketball players, so they've got a lot of athleticism, but they're huge targets, and so they can go up and get the ball. And Seagreaves hasn't gotten the, the same type of opportunities with the top group, but when he does get in there with the twos or with the threes, he seems to come up with plays. And the, the throw that you mentioned, Nick put it on him over the middle, and there was a safety draped all over him, and he kind of reached behind him and managed to, to catch the pass. And so I'm just really intrigued with both, both Jack and JT about what they can do. And I know I've said this before, but do you remember when JT was being recruited and he came to a summer camp? That was when Mickey Turner was the tight ends coach. Mickey basically said he'd never seen a tight end do the things that he did at a camp. I think he ran like a four six forty. So there's a ton of potential there. It's just a matter of getting him out on the field. And because Longo likes to utilize multiple tight ends, I think both those guys have a chance to to be major contributors this season. But certainly Jack Pugh is ahead of the pack there. Anything else on offense that uh, stood out to you? I think we pretty much covered it. We haven't really talked very much about the running backs. Um, and part of that is because you never know what the play was going to look like. Like if you see a receiver catch a 20 yard pass, that's a 20 yard catch. If you see a running back go up the middle, maybe the linebacker would have dropped him for four yards or maybe the running back would have broken it for 20. But I think Braylon and Chez continue to be impressive and, and, and Braylon in particular, just with the variety of things that he's been able to do. But for the most part, what we're seeing is wide receivers, quarterbacks, tight ends, making plays. And to your point, that's something that we haven't always seen consistently in practice at Wisconsin. Yeah, for sure. Uh, on the defensive side of the ball, I thought it was a good day for the inside linebackers. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, Muma Jung Meta and uh, Jordan Turner continue to run with the first team. They are the first team guys. Uh, but Jake Cheney made his return uh, after being off for a few practices due to a, a foot injury. Was it a foot? Ankle? It was an um, ankle. He said he got rolled up on it. Yeah, an ankle injury. So he he was back, made a couple of plays, ha had a would-be sack, and then picked off uh, Braden Locke, as I mentioned earlier, and Returned it for a touchdown, maybe, probably, maybe. Yeah, I, I mean, mm -hmm. certainly his teammates celebrated like it. They all mobbed him in the end zone, but uh, it, <laughs> that one was right to him. But you got to come up with it, and I think Jake obviously is going to have a major role again this season at inside backer. Yeah, I guess I should throw Tate Grass in there too. I thought he had a solid day, mm -hmm. uh, but in the secondary, some changes to the second team uh, at corner, right? Yeah, um, a Corey Lyde is somebody who's had a yellow non-contact jersey on all spring. He suffered an ACL injury his senior year of high school, so he missed uh, his true freshman season at Wisconsin, but didn't have the non-contact jersey on anymore, and he got a lot of reps with the second-team defense. It was it was Lyde and Jace Arnold with Amon Williams in the slot, and Avion Jones, who, he worked some with the second team earlier in practice. He's been with the second team a lot, but he got second and third-team reps. So that was a little bit of a change. Um I mean, really, this is our first opportunity to see Corey Lyde and as a full go participant. Um, and Austin Brown and Owen Arnett with a second team safeties. And part of this is because they keep running that three safety look with the first team. So Kamoe Latu is up there with those with Travion Blaylock and Hunter Wooler. But I I'm really impressed with Austin Brown. He's yeah. just a playmaker. He he. It seems like he is always around the ball. Um, and he came up and stuffed a run. Cade Yakamali got Yakamali got the ball up the middle. Who's at the line of scrimmage to meet Braden Locke on a quarterback keeper around the edge. And he almost picked off a pass from Locke that was intended for, for Jack Pugh. So even though those top three safeties are tremendously talented and going to get a lot of the reps, Austin Brown to me has really stood out as a, as a player to watch for the future. Yes. I loved what I saw from him. It, you're right. He did show up a bunch yesterday that that run fit was he put a hit on him. Um, I think he's got he's got some of that to his game, but he I, he's also a guy that can work in coverage. But he stood out for sure for a guy that we haven't necessarily talked a ton about because they're so deep at safety. But yeah. you know, the, the safeties this year, uh, you're looking at Trayvon Blaylock using his final year. Kamoy Latu is a senior. I guess he certainly could use his COVID year and come back. And then you obviously have Hunter Wohler. But when you're playing this type of defense and playing it the way that they are with using Hunter as essentially an, an extra outside linebacker or essentially playing outside linebacker, you know, Austin Brown could have uh, a big role if one of those guys gets hurt or if, uh, you know, going into next year, I think we forget that he's a four-star kid and that he was a very highly touted 
uh, prospect and they were, it was a huge win for them. I know Jim Leonard was excited about him. So it's kind of gotten lost just because of the depth at that spot, but I think he's still got a bright future. And we kind of saw some of that on, uh, on Saturday. Um, I think, I think it's ahead. also worth mentioning a couple of the tr- true freshman early enrollees who have played corner because they, they rotate through a number of guys, but Jace Arnold and Jonas Duclona to me, and they're getting a lot of reps because in spring, that's what you do. But they've really held their own for for good portions, and they've come up with big plays. I thought Duclona made a really good break on a pass that uh, Braden threw. He broke it up. He nearly picked it off, and and Jace Arnold knocked the ball away on a pass that was intended for Jack Pugh up the right hash. So I don't know where those guys are going to fit in in the terms of the cornerback rotation. I wouldn't necessarily expect to see them this year, but in terms of early enrollees who have come in, I think those are a couple of guys, at least in the secondary, who have made some plays that, that make you see why uh, Wisconsin was so interested in them. We also got some special teams. We got some special teams yesterday outside, which means we got to see some of the punt was uh, with without the roof, uh, knocking the punt down. Um, did you have your stopwatch out, Zach? I didn't, but I noticed uh, some other people did. Uh, not not around where we were sitting, but I noticed some people other places were like doing it on their phone. So um, I'm I'm sure that the numbers are out there if uh, that's something that you're interested in, but. It was the same two guys, right? It was uh, Van Dyke and Myers. Yeah, with the punt team. Yeah. Yeah, it's been Van Dyke with the ones all spring and then Myers with the twos. Um, And we did we had a chance to talk to Matt Mitchell, who's the outside linebackers coach, but also in charge of the special teams earlier in the week. And it was interesting listening to him talk about special teams. uh, Because when he was at Grand Valley State, he was in charge of it for like six straight years. So he's got a very... Uh, intrinsic understanding of what they're looking for. And he was talking about when they do that they're they want to match the hang time with the yardage. So he said, if it's a 45 yard point, you want 4.4.5 seconds of hang time. And I imagine that's why some people had their uh, stopwatches out. But um, I mean, to me, this is Van Dyke's job. I mean, he's been their kickoff specialist for the last three years off and on when he, when he hasn't been hurt, he's been the kickoff specialist, but to date, when we do see kickoffs, Vito Calvaruso and Gavin Lom have been working in um, and it makes a ton of sense why Calvaruso would potentially be in that role. But I think this is Jack Van Dyke's job potentially as the, uh, as the punter to replace um, Andy Vunavich, who was had that role for three years. Yeah. So that was, that's punting. We saw the same guys back returning them. Uh, Chim DK and Will Pauling, uh, CJ Williams, Vinny Anthony. Is that the, he was in he, he was in on the group. It's interesting how they do it because it's basically they when they have two groups, is Chimray DK's on one side, Will Pauling's on the other, and then they just kind of throw a wide receiver in there to take one rep sometimes. But it's, it's like CJ Williams and, and Chimray DK have generally been in one group. Will Pauling's been in the other, but Vinny Anthony got some reps, Quincy Burroughs got some, uh Keontas Lewis went down there and took one. So you've got your sure hands guys with your wide receivers returning kicks at this point. Yeah, for sure. We also got to see some field goals. Um, Some went better than others. Uh, Nathaniel Vakos, the transfer from Ohio, he went, I know we can't keep stats, but uh, he went one for two, and uh, he was no good from 38, was good from 41. Nate Van Zels, good from 38, and then they gave uh, Gavin Lom a shot from 42, and it was, would you say, nowhere close? Again, outside for the first time in the elements. Cause that was the other thing Matt Mitchell was talking about on, on Friday was, you know, yeah, it's easy to do this inside a building. There's no wind, there's it's a controlled environment. It doesn't really matter. And then you have obviously have to go outside. There was wind. There were the elements. And, uh, you know, I think Vakos is going to be your kicker, but he didn't necessarily, he, I don't think he's going to slam the door on Nate Van Zels. Nate Van Zels consistently consistency wise, um, has been very good from last year to this year. Um, so I don't know if it's just going to blow him out of the water, but you don't give a guy a scholarship to come and not be your kicker either. Um, they tried to do that last year with uh, Calvaruso, and he just wasn't good enough as your field goal kicker. But uh, Vacos is proven. Yeah, they they brought him in because they wanted somebody that they could rely on. Again, you don't give a scholarship to somebody if you're not going to give him every opportunity to earn the job. He made 22 of 27 field goals last season at Ohio was a freshman all American and made a 56 yarder. So to me, um, this is his job to lose, but again, it comes down to, can you be consistent? Um, and Nate Van Zelst, you, you may question the, the, the 
I don't even want to say question the leg strength because at the end of the season, I mean, he was really good even from 40 plus. But if you're more consistent, you're going to win the job. That's all it comes down to with field goal kicking. So um, I think this will be Vakos' job, but got to make those from inside 40 when you get the chance. All right. So that was what we saw in practice. Actually, that's not totally accurate. We saw something else in practice, but it rolls into what we were going to talk about now, and that's recruiting. It was a big day again for them recruiting-wise. A lot of guys on campus. One of them was Daniel Freitag. He is a really good football player up in Minnesota, but he's also a very good basketball player. And anybody that follows basketball and was, uh, knows that he's a top target for the Wisconsin basketball team. And so when he showed up at practice on Saturday, it was for football. He was taking a visit for football. He does have an offer from Wisconsin to play football. Uh, so he was walking down the sideline with his mom and uh, somebody else. And um, he kept walking and he passed by this guy with sunglasses on and a guy who apparently lost a lot of hair this year due to his, uh, his basketball team playing a lot of close games. And he walked by and he kept walking. And then all of a sudden that guy in those glasses said, Hey, and he turned around and he saw it was Greg guard. The, uh, the basketball coach just happened, just happened to be uh, at practice on Saturday, him and Joe Kravenhoff. Uh, and so they gave, he gave him a hug and they talked for a minute and then uh, he went on his visit. And then a little bit later in practice, came back and had a rather extended conversation with him. But Jesse, just a pure coincidence that Greg Gard was there, right? Yeah, it just so happened to be checking out the football program. And I mean, this is what you should do if you've got one of your... <laughs> The, the one of the kids you are most heavily pursuing who can help change your program and he's on campus you get an opportunity to talk to him but it's his recruit daniel's recruitment is just fascinating because i, I wrote about this a, a few weeks ago but he is the only player in the online recruiting ranking era that has earned a scholarship offer from wisconsin to play both football and basketball now obviously greg guard joe kravinoff have been on him for basketball for the better part of two plus years and Wisconsin recently came in with an offer, but he's got a really important decision to make. And I think it's notable though, that for his senior season, he just recently announced he's transferring to Southern California Academy to play basketball. And that is a school that does not have a football program. So you can train all you want for football like drills, but you can't really simulate playing football. I just think he's the number seven point guard in the 24 seven sports composite. There's, uh, there's upside for both sports, but I don't know what he's going to decide. His coaches don't know what he's going to decide, but to me, he feels like a basketball player who's much more proven on that side. And even in his sophomore year in high school, he suffered a season ending injury on the football field. So, you know, maybe that's a, a situation where you look at it and say, where do I have more longevity? But yes, he was there as a football recruit. Wisconsin certainly interested in him as an athlete. He played wide receiver and safety last season, but uh, no coincidence that that Greg Gard and Joe Kravinoff were there to um, ch chop it up with Daniel on the sideline. Yeah, for sure. For sure. So uh, as I mentioned earlier in the show, Thomas Heiberger, the uh, outside linebacker from South Dakota, became the fifth commit in Wisconsin's class. You had a chance to talk with him. So did I. That interview coming up here in just a little bit. But for you. He's a uh, he is an interesting guy, but he's also the first outside linebacker that they've gotten in this class. He's actually the first defensive player they've gotten in this class. Uh, when you had a chance to talk with him, what stood out? Well, his recruitment has been really interesting because he's a late bloomer who nobody really was paying attention to. And then all of a sudden just absolutely exploded on the recruiting scene. We've seen this before, but I think it says a lot that Wisconsin was able to win this battle. So uh, I talked to, to Thomas and his parents and his high school coach and his high school coach was a former South Dakota state player. And it wasn't until six games into Thomas's junior season that he earned his first scholarship offer from anybody. And that was South Dakota state and South Dakota state, pretty damn good program was on its way to winning an FCS national championship. Um, and four weeks later, Thomas got another offer from North Dakota state. Those two teams played each other in the national title game, but the staff, because they had a good relationship with, Heiberger's coach, former South Dakota State player, gave him the, the lowdown on what they thought was going to happen with his recruitment. And they were like, we don't have a chance. He is way too good of an outside linebacker. And that's exactly what happened, because in January, everybody offered. Texas Tech was interested in him, but they had only seen, I think, the numbers of what his measurables were. And they asked him to film the measurables so they could prove it. And when Thomas did it, 
they offered him immediately. <laughs> they offered him a scholarship. And then Thomas ended up going for a junior day visit to Wisconsin, got an offer there. And the floodgates just absolutely opened. Like, I think there were seven or eight FBS schools that offered him in the span of a week. Nebraska, Washington, Vanderbilt, Oklahoma, Kansas. So really good offers. But he was drawn to Wisconsin. He went to a game day visit last season when Wisconsin played Minnesota. So that was under the previous staff. But this new staff made him a huge priority. They brought him for a junior day visit. He came back up two Saturdays ago to watch a spring practice. And Matt Mitchell made it very clear when they watched film, sat down, what they envisioned for him um, in this new defense. And they they feel like he can kind of occupy that Daryl Peterson type role where he plays off the ball, can do a lot of different things, can rush the passer, can drop into coverage. But he's a late bloomer who just exploded very late. And I think here's one other thing I wanted to mention. If the measurables are preposterous. <laughs> like he's 6'4", 210 pounds. He has a 39-inch vertical leap. He can broad jump 10-7. He runs a, a 4-6 plus 40-yard dash. But right now he's participating in track and field for the first time in his life. The two events that he participates in, shot put and the 100-meter dash. I don't remember any <laughs> recruit. I don't ever remember a recruit who did those two. And on Friday night, he ran, a, I think, 11.23 seconds in the 100 for a kid who's that big. And he finished fifth out of a 36 participants. And his high school coach said the next morning he was back in the gym for football workouts and he squatted 450 pounds. So I think you put all that together and it's like, wow, there is a lot of upside for this kid. And that's obviously what Wisconsin saw. It is impressive. Um, and he's, a, he, he's an impressive kid for sure. Before we get to the interview, though, I wanted to go over some of the other guys mm -hmm. that have been to Wisconsin during spring ball because they have brought in a ton of guys. Uh, we see them every time every time we go in you know, for practice, whether it's Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, there's always guys on the field. There's always, you know, Max Steinecker and Pat Lambert working the sideline, their staff working the sideline um, with a, a variety of guys. So um, a couple other guys that I think you wrote about a little bit, um, Cam Richardson, um, a DB out of uh, New Jersey. He's, he is a, a nice size DB. Is he, is he more of a corner? Is he more of a safety? Well, that's the thing is uh, I think sometimes they're recruiting these guys as straight up DBs. And we saw that even on the the signing day roster that we got. Some guys are lifted, listed as DBs, but he, he plays corner. But I think they see him as someone who can do safety corner or be a slot guy. What was his uh, experience like at Wisconsin? Well, obviously, <laughs> anybody I'm talking to who's willing to talk to me about yeah. Wisconsin is going to report a positive experience. So I think that's <laughs> that's that's worth noting. But. They like length back there. He's six foot two. His high school coach has a really good relationship with this staff. And that's something that's not to be overlooked about these guys. Luke Fickle and his crew have been around for a long, long time. So they've developed relationships with guys and his high school coach, Coach Darian Varner in high school. And Darian right. just transferred, just transferred from Temple to Wisconsin this offseason. And his high school coach also coached a, a guy named Dino Boyd, who ended up being an offensive lineman for Cincinnati when Fickle was there. So I think that goes a long way, too. But, I mean, Richardson has an official visit scheduled for June. So that's always a good sign with Wisconsin when a kid comes up for spring practice and then immediately turns around and schedules a uh, of an official visit because you only get five of those. So the story that I wrote really only focused on guys who visited a couple Saturdays ago. But sure. every practice, they've got multiple guys. And on Saturdays, those are the big ones because they've got a dozen plus guys. And, and this past Saturday was another huge one, too. But. I think it's interesting they're focusing not just on 2024, but on 2025. They are really getting after it to develop relationships early there. Well, no, that's what I was going to ask about. They had uh, uh, several guys in. Uh, Cooper Catalano, uh, the, the linebacker out of Germantown, he was in. Uh, James Flanagan, a guy out of Green Bay, tight end. And then also they had uh, Dominic Hulak. Hulak? I don't know. Does that sound right? Another linebacker. He's out of Illinois. And so they have, they've had a bunch of number uh, 2025 guys in and they're focused in it. I know when we talked to Pat Lambert, I asked him like how far in advance are they evaluating guys? And he said, you know, they're evaluating 25 and 26 right now. They can't actually, I don't think they can actually talk to 26 guys right now, but uh, evaluating them and, and trying to figure out who's going to be where and, and, and how they view them uh, moving forward. But those other three guys, what they have, what did they like about their visit? Well, I, 
I think it's pretty clear they're making a push already for the top in-state guys. Cooper Catalano and James Flanagan might end up being the top two, but it's also noteworthy that Owen Strebig, who's an offensive lineman at Waukesha Catholic Memorial, that's the same school that obviously Donovan Harbor and Corey Smith attend. He was in for a campus visit a couple Thursdays ago, and Trey Poteet, who's Hank Poteet's kid, was, I think, up on Saturday. And so those could be your, your top four in the state. But Cooper Catalano in particular is somebody I'm in love with his film. Like, I know it's hard to tell about the competition level. Um, he It's just helmet rattling tackle after tackle. And he can do so many different things. He had 147 tackles as a sophomore. And he had one game against Sussex Hamilton where he had 28 tackles. Um, so I get like, and I don't know if this is the, the right comparison, but just because it's easy, Leo Chanel vibes, a, a guy who just is absolutely dominating. And um, you, you see that and it stands out on no matter on what level, but I mean, he loved it. Um, and right now there are early offers from Illinois, Wisconsin, and Kansas, but this is a big month for a lot of these guys. Cause they're going on these visits. He's going to Illinois and Northwestern. He's planning to go to a summer camp at Notre Dame. Flanagan's is interesting because, and I didn't mention this in the story, but his dad mm -hmm. um, ended up going to Notre Dame. I wrote about this a few years ago, but I, I wrote about Barry Alvarez's first recruiting class back in 1990. And he asked his dad, Jim Flanagan, right? I think that was his name. Yep. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Um, I remember. So, yeah. So, so way back then, Barry Alvarez asked his dad, Jim Flanagan, if he would come for a visit to Wisconsin, not to commit to Wisconsin, Barry said, I was never going to squeeze him, but just to have a really top level recruit from the state, visit Wisconsin, and then say nice things about it uh, <laughs> to convince other, I mean, Barry, obviously just an absolute genius when it came to building a roster and recruiting. Um, and so his dad ended up going to Notre Dame and that's noteworthy all these years later because Notre Dame is firmly in the mix for, for James Flanagan, but uh, he really likes Wisconsin too. It, it's just really the early building phases of, of recruiting at this point. Um, and Hulak, I mean, I think similar to Catalano inside linebacker, very intelligent, can do a lot of different things, but those were some of the guys who were up a couple Saturdays ago. And it's always fun to track, especially the in-state guys, because more often than not, they're going to wind up getting commitments from a good chunk of those guys. Yeah. Uh, Jim Flanagan, one of the last big time players that ended up getting out of Wisconsin from Barry Alvarez, right? Um, the wall went up pretty soon after that where they were able to keep most of the guys that they wanted in-state. Jim Flanagan, I think one of the the last ones that uh, that got out. So I think it's probably going to be – that's mm, that's going to be tough, I think, uh, for them. I know in, in – yeah, that's going to be tough. But look, this staff has proven that they can uh, compete and they're going to have to – they'll certainly have their opportunities to, to get him – in that class of 2025 as well. Um, all right, let's get into the interview. I had a chance to do with uh, Thomas Heiberger, the latest commit in Wisconsin's 2024 recruiting class. And we do welcome in Thomas Heiberger, the uh, newest commit in Wisconsin's 2024 recruiting class, recruit number five, or should I say commit number five, a three-star linebacker out of South Dakota. Thomas, thanks for joining me and congratulations on your commitment. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. I mean, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. So uh, you had offers from Nebraska, Washington, Oklahoma, so many others, um, especially of late. Why Wisconsin and why right now? Wisconsin um, and right now, uh, I think they mix well together. Um, I think the new staff, they got a plan. Uh, I think that there's going to be a lot of change going on over there and, and I wanted to be a part of it. Um, but as far as, you know, why I liked it so much, I think um, it was just my relationship with the staff and, um, you know, just the culture that they've already kind of built and uh, kind of building the, some relationship with some of the players as well and seeing how they're doing. And, um, you know, at the end of the day, I think that um, this is the, the best spot for me. And, um, you know, they got a plan for uh, Wisconsin football and they're going to be competing for Big Ten championships. And I truly believe that. So that's why I wanted to be a part of it. So you visited Madison three times. I think the most recent one came last Saturday. What stood out about those visits? Yeah, so my first visit was the uh, – it was a game against Minnesota last year, and the atmosphere was just awesome. So, you know, just, you know, putting myself out in someone else's shoes out there and imagining playing was pretty fun and pretty cool. And, I, you know, I thought the atmosphere was – you know, it was pretty pretty legit. And, um, you know, the last two visits have been, you know, more um, being able to meet the staff. The new staff came in. 
So I was able to, you know, meet all them and, and build some good relationships that, uh, you know, I really, I really enjoyed, you know, talking to them and seeing them coach, especially this last time, uh, you know, it was really good. Obviously the, the staff is important and the football is important, but the, the town mm-hmm. is important too, obviously, because you're going to be here yeah. for three to five years. What stood out about that for you? Yeah. So uh, I was able to take a drive, um, just kind of around campus and see it. Uh, but, you know, as far as like Madison as a town, I, you know, I've only heard great things. I, you know, I can only imagine in the summer, too, as well. You know, it's going to be fun. You know, just I can imagine myself being a, a student athlete there and enjoying myself. And um, but as far as the uh, the campus, I mean, you know, they offer everything. It's, you know, a top 10 public uh, public university. So, um, you know, as far as what I want to do, I'm still undecided. But uh, but I know that Wisconsin is going to be able to, you know, provide anything that I need to, you know, become a better man and, you know, stuff outside of football. They, they provide all that stuff too. So, you know, I think that's uh, definitely a positive as well. I mean, it definitely is. And we always hear people talk about how, you know, if football doesn't work out, everyone wants to, football to work out and play forever. Right. But yeah, if, it doesn't, yeah. if, if it doesn't, you still have a, a four-year degree from one of the best universities in the, in the country. I think it's a huge selling point. And it sounds like it was for you. Yeah. So, uh, I, I definitely take my uh, my education, my grades just in high school seriously. And so, you know, I never really had a much of a dream of playing, you know, big time college football. I was always kind of a baseball guy. But uh, but when the opportunity came to, you know, play a sport that I love and, and get an education along with it, you know, I'm super blessed and, um, you know, grateful that I have such an opportunity like that. What position do you play in baseball? I, uh, I play a little bit of middle infield and uh, I pitch a little bit as well. That's where they put all the best players, right? Shortstop and pitcher in in, in high school. I guess so. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, it depends. I'm not saying I'm the best because you know baseball is it's tough. It's tough for sure. Uh, I usually got put it in right field in beer league softball, so that can probably tell you oh. uh, my 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 skill in in that game. Um, so uh, <laughs> yeah. No. So the staff. You, you mentioned meeting them and how much you enjoyed being around them who was the who was your primary recruiter and what did you like about him yeah so I was able to talk to uh, coach Mitchell quite a bit um the outside linebackers coach who uh, you know is, is going to be my position coach so it was good to be able to meet him um and kind of build our relationship over the past few months and you know I, I just think that he's a uh, a great guy down to earth and he's going to push me to be the best player that I can be and you know he's going to want what's best for me and he's going to tell me the truth if even if I you know I don't always want to hear it and I think that was kind of the biggest thing as well because, you know, I I wasn't just hearing things that I wanted to hear. You know, I was hearing the truth from him, and I think that that's you know what makes him you know real. And you know, I really appreciate that. What is it about Wisconsin's outside linebackers that intrigues you? The history of it. What what intrigues you about that spot? Yeah, I mean, they definitely put some uh, some good players you know through that through Wisconsin's program and um, into the into the NFL as well. So I mean. You know, they definitely have a history of, of breeding, you know, amazing players, especially at the outside linebacker position. So, you know, hopefully I can uh, I go there and do my best and, you know, maybe come out with a, a result similar to some of them. Did you have a chance to meet with the players? I assume you did. Um, and who were they and, and what did they kind of tell you about the school, the football program, outside line, playing outside linebacker, Wisconsin? What did yeah. they say to you? Yeah, so um, – I met with a few players, uh, Aaron, Ross, uh, Caden, and uh, there are three outside linebackers there, you know, currently who are, um, I think a few of them are struggling through injury, but, uh, yeah. but it's, you know, they're well taken care of from what I hear and, you know, they love it there. You know, it was good to sit down and talk with, you know, a few of them and see how they're doing. And, you know, as far as Wisconsin football, they love it and they love, you know, competing every single day and, and, and living the life of being a Badger. And I was also able to, um, meet Nick Herbig uh he was at spring practice when I was there and uh, just meeting him is pretty cool and you know he's one of those outside linebackers who's, who's been great at Wisconsin and um yeah it was nice to meet him and as far as you know Badger football he thinks that you know that's obviously the place to go so I thought that was pretty cool too it's kind of cool that comes around because I remember during his recruitment he was talking I mean obviously coming from Hawaii it's a, it's a huge change but he was talking about TJ Watt and like yeah that's kind of one of the yeah. drew him to him uh, to Wisconsin. And now obviously you kind of have him to look up to. And um, it's, it's that cycle is fun. That cycle is fun to watch. I think, yeah. From people's perspectives. Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty cool. What kind of role does the staff see for you? I assume they have, because they're doing some, 
different things with their outside linebackers in this new defense. Um, we've seen Daryl Peterson do a whole bunch of different things. We've seen Hunter Waller, who's a safety, now doing some different things at outside linebacker. What what kind of role do they see for you? Um, yeah, so as far as the defense, you know, they're going to be doing a lot of different things from what I've heard um, while kind of keeping that outside linebackers, you know, thing that they've got going on that they've done so well um, while bringing in, you know, that Cincinnati defense, that dollar package is what they call it. And so they kind of see me as being that outside linebacker to the field, along with um, playing off into that dollar package, kind of what um, DP and, and Hunter are doing over there as well. So that's kind of what they see me being able to be um, versatile and and, uh, and working at both. Can you describe your game, your playing style um, for, for people? Because obviously a lot of us haven't seen you play. So can, yeah. you, can, you, can you describe what, what's, what, what makes you uh, different? Yeah, so um, for my high school, you know, I put on tape. Uh, I've just been able to move around a lot, you know, play D-line. We run a 3-3 stack, but I've been able to move up on, play end and stand up outside, um, and then also work on, you know, just playing back inside stack. I think that's kind of what coaches liked about me is what they saw in that tape and that versatility. versatility. And then, um, I mean, just, just, uh, just pass or rushing the passer just on the outside – around the edge is something that I really enjoy doing and, and something that I think I'm pretty good at, but always need room for, for improvement. And so I think that's where, um, you know, Wisconsin can, uh, can turn me into the player that I need to be for that. And then, um, you know, just being able to get out into coverage and doing other things that, you know, you might not necessarily always need to do, but, uh, but I think I'm able to, you know, be versatile and do a lot of different things. For sure. For sure. Uh, a couple more, what separates Luke Fickle in Wisconsin from some of the other schools you were considering? Yeah, I mean, just just playing Big Ten football, you know, that's what I want to do. And Wisconsin, just the relationship that I had already built, you know, Madison as a town and all those things. And Coach Fick, you know, the vision that he has for the program is something that I want to be a part of. And, um, you know, Fick will just get in there. You know, he's going to be around. He's going to be around for a while. Um, so that's kind of security is something that I'm, I'm glad that I'll, that I'll have and that uh, I know that that staff is going to be with me and, you know, turn me into the best man and player that I can be for the next four years. For us that are here in Madison right now, the excitement around the program is at a different level than it ever has been before. Yeah. Um, and, and obviously, Luke Fickle's a big part of that. Can recruits sense that, too? Can you sense that there is a change around here? Yeah. Yeah, I think I think I can definitely, you know, sense a change. And, uh, you know, just being in Madison – um, being around the guys at Wisconsin, I know that they have a plan and, um, you know, seeing the things on social media as well from a lot of the fans and stuff, they're pumped up. And, um, you know, I think the recruits can kind of feed off that and, um, you know, understand that something's big happening. Uh, last, last one, what kind of relationship, if at all, do you have with the other members of uh, the class right now? Um, I haven't had much yet. I've kind of been at some of the other, um, same days just at Wisconsin seeing the other guys but uh but just kind of recently a, a few of them have reached out you know just trying to push for me to, to get uh you know fully committed and over at Wisconsin so uh you know for sure once the uh, announcement comes out I'm sure I'll, I'll reach out to the rest of the guys and uh you know start to build a relationship with them for sure do you turn into a recruiter then too yeah yeah no doubt <laughs> I got to build the rest of the defense <laughs> all right hey Thomas really appreciate your time and uh, congratulations again on your commitment yeah, thank you so much, Zach. I appreciate it. All right, there he was, Thomas Heiberger. Really appreciate his time. Really seems like a great kid. Um, and now he gets to help Wisconsin recruit a little bit uh, in that 2024 class as the lone defensive member of uh, of the class to this point. Uh, Jesse, anything else yet uh, to add at all? I think we pretty much covered it. Fortunately, we haven't even at the halfway point of spring practices, so there's a lot more to report. <laughs> there definitely is. Uh, we'll be, I'll be back tomorrow. Jess will be back Thursday. Until then, you've been listening to The Camp.